Well, last week we talked about Mary and her journey and her faithfulness. Today we're going to go to the opposite side of the, that story and we're going to talk about her husband, Joseph. Now, Joseph's journey was completely different. Um, his, uh, his sacrifice was uh, uh, t of totally different scale, um, but still a sacrifice nonetheless. So let's look at his story. Turn with me, if you would, to Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. Page 966, if we're using the Pew Bible. Matthew 1, verse 18, page 966. And so last week, we, we noticed Luke focused on Mary. Matthew focuses on Joseph. Matthew 1, 18. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit." She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife, but he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. All right, so now, last time we talked about Mary and, and what she had to give up to say yes to God's invitation to participate. Joseph had to give up some things too, all right? And it's a totally different kind of thing he had to give up. But a couple of things I want to point out from the story, uh, and, and this is the first one, is that man's logic does not compare or even matter when compared to God's will. Man's logic does not matter when compared to God's will, okay? And that's an important lesson for us to learn because I want you to remember this phrase, God processes information differently than we do. God processes information differently than we do. It made absolutely no sense for Joseph to go through with this marriage. None whatsoever. He held all the cards, Right? And we don't know a lot about Joseph. We know that he was a good man, some of the translations say, meaning that he feared God. He tried to obey the law. He was an upright citizen. People admired him, uh, not to the extent that they were going to celebrate him, but, but he was just a good citizen. He was a good follower of God. We know that he was a carpenter, small businessman, very small businessman. That's how he made his living. And other than that, we don't know a lot about him other than these first couple of chapters of Matthew. But, but we know that he was called to a very big task. And the task made absolutely no sense. Because as a man in his day and time, here's what Joseph... Now, now let, let's go back just a second. I, I want you to imagine, we don't have any dialogue, but can you imagine the conversation between Mary and Joseph when she informed him of the coming birth? Now think about this. 
We're engaged to be married. We haven't consummated the marriage yet. And Mary shows up and says, hey, Joseph, I'm going to have a baby. Now, there's something that Joseph knows. He knows it's not his. So Mary says, well, it's God's baby. Right. That's a good one, Mary. Okay? And, and you just begin to process the practicality of this conversation. And it's like, okay. So, so Joseph, he comes into this conversation, and they have this relationship. They're committed to be married to one another, but he doesn't have to go through with it. He's actually paid money to Mary's dad to be able to marry her. So there's several things that he can do. One, he can get his money back. If he wanted to, he could have Mary put to death. Process that with me. Because the man held all of the cards, as it were, he could have turned her in. The elders of the city would have taken her to her dad's home and on her dad's doorstep stoned her to death. He had every right, according to the law, to do that. But now instead, he's being called by God to go ahead and marry this woman and live with the reality that he's going to be supporting someone else's child. To live with the reality that people are going to look at him like, what are you thinking, man? You didn't have to do this. Are you crazy? You could have started the whole process over. Why do you want to be stuck with a woman who has this reputation and will have this reputation for the rest of your life? Why would you want to do that? It made absolutely no sense. And then God showed up. And so that's what he was going to do. He was going to back out. He was, as a good man, not have her put to death, but put her away quietly, as it says. But thus essentially eliminating any potential for her future. But God said, I have a different plan. I want you to do something different. And I know it makes absolutely no sense. Because Joseph, I process information differently than you. There's something going on here that's much bigger than you. There's something much greater happening. And you need to understand, my plan trumps what makes sense to you. Trust me. I need you to do this. The story, the, the Bible is littered with stories that have this kind of implication from God. One, one of my favorite is the story of Hosea and Gomer. If you don't know the story of Hosea, Hosea was an Old Testament prophet, and God came to him and told him, I want you to marry a prostitute. Now that was just ludicrous in Hosea's day. It was something you wouldn't even consider, but he did. They had several children together, and then Gomer, his wife, ran away and chased her life of prostitution again. But it didn't work out well. And so the only way she could survive was to sell herself into slavery, which she did. And then God came to Hosea again and said, Hosea, I want you to go and buy her back and make her your wife again. And all of that so that Hosea could have a great sermon illustration for the Israelite people. This is how you're treating me. And it made absolutely no sense for Hosea to do that. But there was something much bigger at stake. You see, I think we have to understand that God has this incredible plan and he calls us to participate and it doesn't have to make sense to us because most of the time it's not. Have you ever been felt, have you ever felt led by God to do something that made absolutely zero sense? 
Have you ever been felt, have you ever felt inside of you, God wants me to do this, but there is no logical reason why I should. And then out of trust, you say yes anyway, and it's amazing what God pulls off. That's how it works. And so God came to Joseph and said, listen, this is my language, not God. This is how this is gonna work. This is what needs to happen. I need you to trust me on this and not be afraid to do this. It's interesting that he uses the word afraid. Because sometimes God leads us to do things that make absolutely zero sense from a human perspective. There's a church that exists at the corner of Post and Dancy that in the 1940s, 50s, and 60s was confronted with a a decision. The church had gotten so big that they had to do a couple of options. They either had to continue to expand, relocate, or open other churches. Now, and the practical thing to do in our world today is to become a megachurch. That was before megachurch was even a word. But the community of Murray Hill Baptist Church decided instead, we're going to plant churches throughout the west side of Jacksonville. It really doesn't make all that much sense, except that that's what God wants us to do. And if you go out these doors and walk down this hallway, you will see the pictures of 17 churches that were started during that time period. And you look back now and you realize and you know that starting churches accomplishes so much more for the kingdom than becoming a huge church. The statistics are phenomenal. New churches baptize people so much faster than established churches. It makes all the sense in the world in God's plan. And so we could tell story after story after story of churches and people who said yes when it didn't make any sense, but the bottom line is, is that sometimes God's will and God's plan does not make human sense. And it's okay. It's okay when his plan doesn't make sense. But there's something else in this story that we don't typically talk about in Baptist life. Something that's very interesting, and and I think it's something we need to recapture. And, And it's the fact that God spoke to Joseph in dreams. And so here's what I want you to hear me say, is that God still communicates to us today. And I think sometimes we miss out on that. I think sometimes we overlook that. Sometimes we kind of push that aside as something, eh, that's kind of spooky and weird. But, but in the process, we've totally lost the mysticism and the supernatural realities that go along with God. And I think we need to rediscover that. But if you look at the first two chapters of Matthew, God came to Matthew three times in dreams. This story we just read, at the end of chapter one, he said, you need to pack up your stuff and take Mary and the kid to Egypt because Herod's going to kill all the babies. And he went. Herod died. God showed up in a dream again. I said, I want you to go home. Now, when God communicates to people in dreams, there's a couple of conclusions that you need to come to or that we should come to, is that there is a relationship between Joseph and God that was pretty significant. And when we talk about Joseph being a good man, that means that he and God communicated regularly. And so when God showed up in a dream, Joseph didn't question. All right, that's what God wants to do, I'll do it. Because there was a relationship there. 
And so here's what I, I want you to hear me say this very clearly. God is still working today in our world and in our lives and all around us, and God is inviting us to participate in his, in his work. One of our favorite shows is Madam Secretary. All right, I don't know if anybody watches Madam Secretary, um, but Tia Leone plays the Secretary of State and she represents the president all over the world. Now, one thing that's probably very unrealistic is she always makes the right decisions, right? Whatever world crisis there is, she takes care of it, right? So it's probably just a bit exaggerated. But I think one thing that is very real about the show, the Secretary of State speaks for the president, whoever it is. So, you know, we're watching President-elect Trump pick his cabinet and all of this, and so everybody's focused on the Secretary of State because that's a big deal. Because the Secretary of State speaks for the president wherever they go, to foreign leaders all across the globe, right? But one thing that's interesting, and, and I don't know if this is true, I've never met a Secretary of State, but I assume that it is, is that in every show, her cell phone rings. And when you watch the show, you know that means something bad just happened and she's going to have to fix a problem. And many times on the other end of the line is the President of the United States. And whatever is on her agenda that day changes. It changes because something more important came up. And so the plane may be going to Colombia, but now it's going to Libya. Those kinds of things. Right? And so regardless of what happens, regardless of what she's doing, when the phone rings and the president calls and demands that she does something, that's what she does, regardless of how important she thought the agenda was. Fantastic spiritual truth for you and me. Every one of us as followers of Jesus, we work for God's State Department. We are here in a foreign land, Paul would say, and we represent God in his State Department. At the day when we're done, we're going to disperse to different parts of the city, different parts of the community. We're going to spend our week doing different kinds of things. Some of us go to office buildings. Some of us go to schools. Some of us go to, um, to wherever we go, to all the different places we go to. I could just went blank. But wherever we go, we go to different places representing God in his State Department. And we go through that day and, and we represent him and, and we represent him and there's two things that we always do. We love God and we love people. We know that's a com those are the commands we do every day. But as we go through the agenda of the day, we may get a call from the head office. God may intervene or intercede in our lives and say, listen, there's something I need you to do today. There's something I want you to take care of. There's a conversation that I want you to have. There's something going on that I need you to change your agenda. There's a coworker that needs you. There's a student that needs you to intervene in their lives. There's a patient that needs you to pay them extra special attention. Whatever it is, God jumps in and says, there is something on the agenda that is totally different today. I need you to be open, and I need you to say yes. See, Joseph, he heard in dreams. Now, I'll be honest, rarely do my dreams have anything to do with God. A week and a half ago, I had a dream that somebody stabbed me in the back with a pickaxe. My shoulder hurt the whole next day. So I don't know if it was the dream that caused the pain or the pain that caused the dream. 
That's a philosophical question that I don't know. Most of my dreams are silly like that. But sometimes, dreams are from God. And when they happen, you know they're from God. There's no question. And sometimes we know they're from God, but we don't know what they mean. And so we just say, God, let me know. Make it clear. It doesn't happen often to me. I know people it does happen to. Some people will be praying, and I've been praying with them, and they will have a vision. That doesn't happen to me. But they will come out of the prayer, and they will say to someone in the circle, God just gave me this picture of you, and I'm supposed to tell you this, and I don't know why. Oh, that's cool. Sometimes we'll be going through the day, and God will burn someone's face in our brain, and we don't know what it is that he wants us to do. We just ask. And God communicates to us over and over and over again. But see, we have a problem. We don't know how to listen. See, listening starts in a deep relationship with God. It starts with an active prayer life where we're connected to him. It starts in the study of Scripture where we learn His Word and learn all about Him. And let me just say, God will never lead us to do anything contrary to the Scripture. All right? I had a man tell me one time that God told him to leave his wife for his secretary, and I said, you're listening to the wrong God. He will never have you do something that is contrary to Scripture. But please understand and please hear me. God is working in our world. And I know that all of this sounds really bizarre because we think, oh, people are hearing voices in their heads. I don't ever hear an audible voice. And I just want to make some may, and I'm not going to say they don't. But I know I'll be going through the day, and I'll be at the grocery store, or I'll be at a restaurant, and there'll be a premonition or a leading in my mind that says, I need to talk to this person. And that's just not me. No, I want to go to the store, get my stuff, and go. But if there's a leading to do that, I know God's saying, talk to this person. And almost every time, a faith conversation happens that never would have happened. And I know it's so weird, I go up to them and say, hi, I'm Doug, I'm supposed to come say hi to you. Oh, that's weird. Well, I, know, I don't know why I'm here, but, you know, God led me to talk to you. And all of a sudden, a faith conversation happens. Weird, right? But I think sometimes we, we just take God completely out of our everyday lives in the picture, and we just need to learn to listen. Because he's up to stuff. He's up to stuff all the time. There are people that are hurting that need a follower of Jesus to step in. And God will nudge us and say, hey, you're up. There's someone that needs to have a discussion about faith and God will nudge us and say, all right, you're up. There's someone that we know that is hurting. God will nudge us and say, all right, you're up. And I want to be careful and please don't hear me say what I'm not saying. We don't have to wait for God to lead us to do stuff. Because there's stuff we know we're supposed to do. 
But when he leads, it changes the agenda. So I, I want to challenge you today as I challenge me and, and just ask you this question. Are you listening? Are you listening? I, I want to challenge you to do what Samuel did when he said, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. But be warned, when you pray that prayer, he's going to show up. And he may ask you to do something that's really uncomfortable. But I want to tell you on the other side, it's well worth it to get to participate in the great things God is doing. Joseph, man, he just wanted to live a simple life. I'm going to be a carpenter. I got a new wife. Everything's coming together just as I want. And now she's pregnant. I just want to live my life, God. No. No, what I'm accomplishing is more important than what you had planned. I just need you to say yes. Let's pray.